Welcome back, Only Playbook fans. We are back. A lot of offseason stuff to talk about. So many changes in the NFL. Shobit, how are you feeling, man? I'm feeling pretty good, man. There's a lot of stuff going on in the offseason that we need to talk about. Dude, I, I'm telling you, man. It's one of those where if we just completely went like zero dark 30 and said after the after the season ends, I'm going to do nothing NFL, and then we jump back in right now, there is so many changes yeah. to coaches, coordinators, that you wouldn't – like. The, the casual fan, if you're not paying attention, has no idea how many changes have taken place in the NFL. Exactly. Head coaches, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and free agents hasn't even started yet, right? Like there's going to be all of that uh, in the place. So yeah, lots and lots of going on right now for sure. Yeah, man. So we'll break it all down. Let's We'll kick things off with all of the changes from a coaching standpoint. Uh, I think that'll at least give us a little bit of a high level understanding of where this team was at you know, what type of change they made, whether it was, you know, defensive minded head coach moving to an offensive minded head coach, things like that, and what that could spell for them, maybe heading into 2024. So uh, kicking things off, Shovit, the Washington commanders said, see ya to Riverboat Ron, uh, and they brought in Dan Quinn. <clears throat> I don't know how I personally feel about this. Obviously, Dan Quinn is a defensive minded coach. Ron Rivera was a defensive minded coach. So you're bringing in another coach who is coming from the defensive side of the ball. Now, there's two ways to look at this, right? You could you could do that to help sure up the defensive side of the ball, and then maybe you did. The, and they brought in uh no, Cliff. they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. Right. Yes, so there you go. So that's what they did, right? So you hire a defensive minded head coach who's got the track record. Uh, he he knows how to obviously work with an entire team. He's not just defense; he can be a head coach as well. So he can put his toe in both sands. And then you have Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, who obviously didn't cut it as a head coach, but everybody knows that he's a genius when it comes to an offensive mastermind. So. That is a really interesting pairing. And the third part to that real quick, I want to just throw at you Cliff Kingsbury and Dan Quinn uh, going to Washington. Cliff Kingsbury has a link to Caleb Williams. Yes. Is there any, any talk you think that the Washington commanders are thinking about, yo, we can just trade with the bears. The bears can still get yep. an absolute haul. If they're not in love with Caleb Williams, if they're like Jane, uh, Jane Daniels, Drake may, we could take either one of them. We don't really care. You could probably get like two first round picks and still just drop one spot down and take that quarterback. If cliff is adamant about taking Caleb. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was the quarterback coach for yep. USC, also the offensive analyst. So there's definitely ties there. And I think with that second pick, if you can uh, bring down Caleb Williams value or trade up, because if they're like, if the Bears are like, hey, we still believe in Justin Fields, we mm -hmm. don't need this number one pick. They can very well do that. And I think that's certainly a play that they're trying to make. And that would, I think, set the commanders up really well. I think that Dan Quinn is a pretty good hire. You know, you saw his stint with the Atlanta Falcons. They won in the Super Bowl. They lost, but they were still there. They were not a bad 25. They were up by 25 points. Basically should have exactly. won. <laughs> Basically should have won. And Dan Quinn with the Cowboys has been a great defensive coordinator. So I think that the Ron, uh, Dan Quinn and Cliff Clinsbury uh, duo is going to work well. And uh, yeah, I'm sure they're going to try really hard to get um, Caleb Williams. But those other guys are pretty good too. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out if the Bears are willing to trade that pick. Yeah, I mean, it'll really tell you a lot about how much Cliff likes Caleb, right? Because yeah. this is a no-brainer. In everybody else's mind, Caleb Williams is the number one prospect. He's going to go number one, right? Cliff Kingsbury's coached this quarterback before he's on a team now that's looking for the quarterback of the future. Technically, I don't know. Maybe they still believe in Sam Howell. Um, I personally think at this point you have to, no. you know, take a swing at a better prospect, no. but if that's the case, wouldn't it, wouldn't it tell you something if they didn't 
take Caleb, like if they didn't move to Caleb, knowing that he's got already a connection with a guy that would make it such a seamless transition, almost like there is something beyond just the football side of Caleb Williams that we don't know about that Cliff Kingsbury would definitely know about. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to jump into those conclusions just quite yet because it might be just that hard to get that number one pick as well. Because like the Bears, you know, are uh, you know they may be like Justin Fields is not the answer. We need to go get another number one pick, trade Justin Fields to some someone else, um, not give up their number one pick, and they may go out and get Caleb Williams too. So um, I don't know. I don't want to uh, put down Caleb Williams, even though his last year wasn't the greatest of years as far as uh, you know quarterbacks uh, as what we've seen before. Um, partly not due to his fault or for any reason, but I think that, uh, you know, it's the only time we'll tell. And I think it's not because of Caleb Williams is not good that they don't go out and get him. It's just there. It's hard to get the first pick. I think. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think we don't know. We we don't really know. It's just an interesting pairing now that he is there and there is a pathway to potentially get that quarterback that you've already worked with, uh, already taken under your wing. So definitely interesting to say the least. Um, Let's move it right along, Shovit. The Seattle Seahawks, I thought this was a little bit surprising. Pete Carroll, you are out, my man. Uh, Been a long stint. He's been an awesome coach. I think even that video of this past year in the locker room where he's like dancing around and I'm pretty sure he's the oldest head coach in the NFL. So so for being that old, the guy still got plenty of spunk. I don't know that he's, you know, lost it, uh, so to say. So it'll be interesting to see if he finds another landing spot. But Pete Carroll is gone, and in comes Mike McDonald, who I believe came from the Baltimore Ravens, if right. I'm not mistaken. That's correct. So Baltimore Ravens, defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator? Defensive coordinator. That's what yeah. I thought. Defensive yeah. coordinator Mike McDonald is now the head coach for the Seattle Seahawks. So um, I don't really know what to make of this other than there's there's transitional there's like a transitional period with Seattle because Geno Smith is only under contract for one more year right so when you bring in a new offensive coordinator or you bring in a new head coach the head coach's time starts to tick and it's like a window of opportunity where you have to be successful because not every head coach is getting hired saying hey you get 5 years to turn this franchise around right people are getting fired after one season so knowing that he's got one year left of Geno um I would not rule out the Seattle Seahawks as a wild card team to make a play for one of these quarterbacks in the draft or possibly sign one of the veteran quarterbacks that are out there. Because again, the uncertainty is certainly there and the coaching change regime that the regime change leads me to believe that uh, McDonald's going to want a quarterback that he can latch onto for the, you know, for however long his tenure is going to be as a head coach there. So I think they're definitely in a interesting spot to also potentially uh, look for a quarterback. So I don't know your thoughts on obviously Pete Carroll being gone and Mike McDonald being hired there. Yeah, I thought that was kind of surprising with Pete Carroll being gone. I mean, it's Pete Carroll, right? Like he's probably 75, whatever, but he's still a great coach. And I think that, you know, that team just need they were in a recovery phase, kind of like working through Russell Wilson being out. Geno Smith kind of stepped up. But yes, he's getting older. But they're they have they need offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. Um, and the good thing about getting Mike McDonald was that with the Ravens, they were like they were one of the best defenses in the NFL this year, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that you kind of have something to go off of, kind of like what the Texans did with D'Amico Ryan. That sort of mentality. Well, let's see who get who they get for the offensive court as their offense, uh, de- yeah, offensive coordinator. But they also have the top ten pick in the NFL draft. If they can go up and get that uh, no, one of the three spots, they can also turn their team around with uh, with a franchise quarterback as well. So uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of restructuring with no Pete Carroll, no offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator turns around for the Seahawks. So 
more to come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And think about it like this, right? If you're a young quarterback, you, you probably are in a really ideal situation to want to play for that team. You have DK Metcalf. Yeah. Obviously, Tyler Lockett's getting a little bit older, but J JSN is there to basically right. take over for Lockett. You still have Ken Walker and Charbonnet. So the offense is kind of clicking on all cylinders if you can just plug in a quarterback there. Uh, and who knows? Maybe Geno is, you know, maybe there's not a... Uh, a high enough upgrade from Geno Smith in free agency and where they're drafting at 16, let's say all three of the best quarterbacks are gone. So maybe it is a situation where they're taking a second round quarterback. That's going to learn a year under Geno Smith, similar to kind of how Geno sat for seven years before he got, got an opportunity. Uh, so they may be in a situation where they're building for the long term, where they let Geno play out his contract and then take that quarterback. But uh, it is nice to see them. They have talent on the defensive side, right? With Devin Witherspoon and everything. Yeah. It just and Tariq Woolen, it just didn't come to fruition the way you wanted it to play out. So it's nice to see a defensive-minded head coach now take them under his wing and, and try to turn that back into the Legion of Boom or something similar to that. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. He's gonna be the youngest coach in the NFL now at 36 Bro. years old. They're so. just getting old, younger and younger. Pretty yeah. soon they're gonna be younger than we are. And I'm just gonna be like, oh my God, is wow. my life over? That's yeah. so true. <laughs> yeah, it's scary, dude. We're only like three years away from that. So, uh, <laughs> goddamn. Um, moving right along, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, thank goodness, Arthur Smith, you are gone. Uh, you ruined that offense. And, I mean, we don't want to shit on Arthur Smith because obviously he's, he's going to the Steelers. <laughs> but Arthur Smith, you are out. You did not do that offense justice. And in comes in Raheem Morris. Now, Here's the thing with Raheem Morris. I, I don't know how much of an upgrade that's going to be offensively, obviously, because he's a defensive guy, but they also hired Zach Robinson to be their offensive coordinator. And he's also going to be the offensive play caller for them. Right. And Zach Robinson came from the Rams, the Rams. I believe. Yep. Correct. So, yep. yes. So obviously they had that connection there with the Rams. And so he brought him along and now he's going to trust Zach Robinson to run the offense and he's going to only have to focus on the defense. So I think obviously this is really, really great for Atlanta because they, they, their defense needs to improve and they have so much talent on offense. They just need to figure out a way to maximize that. And Arthur Smith clearly wasn't doing that. So, uh, I think it's nice to get somebody in here who, man, Puka Nakua, Cooper cup, like Matthew Stafford was clicking. The dude was getting Demarcus Robinson involved. Kyron Williams looks like a top five running back in the NFL. And that dude coming out of the combine didn't look like he was going to even make it as an NFL running back. So, mm -hmm. uh, Zach Robinson definitely has a, the pedigree, uh, and, and, and what he showcased with the Rams. So I'm excited to see how Atlanta can explode and show it. Let me just tell you one other thing. Now with this, I think Justin Fields, number one destination Ooh. is the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. They're a quarterback away. And Desmond Ritter has, is not the answer. Tyler Heineke is not the answer as well. They need a quarterback with all, you know, that's, that's the missing piece for the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, that would be an intriguing play, man. I think that that's going to be, we'll see if that happens, but that would help out the Falcons for sure. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it is it, it almost made too much sense if Dan Quinn didn't get fired because obviously he loves to run the football Arthur, and Justin Arthur Fields, Smith. Ar Arthur Smith loves to run the football and, um, Justin Justin Fields would have been a you know perfect uh, placement in that offense to be a run first quarterback, but I don't know if um, Zach Robinson is going to trust Justin Fields to the same level that Matthew Stafford ran an offense, right? So it's a lot of play actions, a lot of intermediate right. throws. You think about all the throws to Puka and Cup. Do you trust Justin Fields to be able to make those reads and make those throws? I think that's what we will need to see, but I do think 
just an offense that's electrifying with Fields, Bijan, London, and Pitts would be incredibly fun to watch, uh, regardless of what you think of Justin Fields, because you already know I'm pretty low on Justin Fields. I just think that situation could bring out the best in him just because he's surrounded by so much talent. Yeah, and I'm a little bit higher on Justin Fields. I think that uh, given the right environment, I think he has the ability to succeed with his legs, and he's shown some arm talent as well. And I think that, um, you know, it's... I, I lost my train of thought here, but... Uh, Fields? Going, Fields? Yeah. Trajectory? Yeah, I think I think Fields is going to be a lot better than, than what most people think. But, oh, Arthur Smith, yes. He had to go. Arthur Smith yeah. is just not a, a good head coach. He probably can be a, a really good offensive coordinator, but that team wasn't dismantled. I mean, like, you listen to press conferences and people were just upset about the usage of Robinson and why he's not being utilized in goal line situations more that we saw in the later half of the, uh, like, later on in the season. So I think he had to go. Hopefully this change can bring some, some you know, vibrancy in, into the Falcons. And if they get Justin Fields, man, I think that would be both really well for them. And the point I was actually going to make was that you look at quarterbacks that are going to get drafted in the top three. They're probably, you know, chances are they're going to be good quarterbacks. But in terms of what's available in free agency, I would argue Justin Fields is the best quarterback available, even top of, uh, um, above Kirk Cousins. There's actually nobody else I think that could uh, come into a team and make an impact like Justin Fields can uh, with the options available. So they might just have to, you know, pursue hard to getting him. Yeah. I, <laughs> It's tough. They're, they're completely different quarterbacks and they're in completely different situations in their career, right? So on one hand, I totally agree with you. If you're going to, you know, uh, if you're a new regime and you want to, you know, take a chance on a quarterback, Justin Fields is still what, 24 years old and he's only had one stint that hasn't been completely successful, but the Chicago Bears were a complete mess. So right. there's still hope that he could be something special. Kirk Cousins is incredible passer, but he's also 36 coming off a torn Achilles uh, and he's not getting any younger. So, and he's a statue. So he needs to go somewhere where there's a good offensive line. So I agree with you. I think the situation is a little bit different for both of them. Um, you can make the case for both depending on what team they're looking to go to and what the trajectory of that team is. Yeah. Uh, but I agree the upside for free agency, Justin Fields provides the most just because there's still, there's an allure to him for for folks out there that are outside of the Chicago bears organization, that's like, Hey, they couldn't maximize what he really is. And if given the opportunity, we think we can. So yeah. I I'm confident that there's plenty of teams out there that are in the market for Justin Fields. The other guy you can kind of put into the mix of Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields is maybe Sam Howell. If they go and draft a quarterback, second pick, yeah. if the commanders after quarterback, then he's in play to get traded and he could potentially be at Atlanta Falcons. Be in Atlanta yeah. Falcons. You know, I'm still torn on how, because all of everything I read leads me to believe that there are folks within the organization that believe in him. Um, and he's still young. And yeah. you know, if you, if you go back and look at some of his tape last year, like some of the games he played against the Eagles, those divisional games, the dude was slinging the football, right? So, right. um, we all know that the, the team sucked. The head coaching was awful. Uh, the play calling sucked. The offensive line was abysmal. He was taking so many sacks. So, I, I'm not completely convinced that they would move off of Sam Howell personally. Um, I don't know that I agree that they should keep Sam Howell. Like, obviously, if you have the second pick and you have three potential, potentially generational quarterbacks, you want to take a risk. But also thinking about it like this, Sam Howell is still very cheap. Sam Howell is not even a first round quarterback, so he's even yeah. cheaper. He's like dirt. He's like absolute dirt. So let's say you trade down. Let's say at the number two spot, everybody wants a quarterback. You can trade down and you can accumulate two to three, probably first round picks one, definitely this year, swapping with whoever you trade up with, and then potentially two more in the future and maybe load up on the back end of this draft. 
I mean, if you give Sam Howell some tackles, he's got insane. He's got, you know, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. Those guys are catching passes left and right. He's got weapons. He's got Brian Robinson. He's got Antonio Gibson. He's got Logan Thomas. So the weapons are not, you know, uh, a shortage there. Yeah. So I, I wonder if they're like, let's trade down. We can get the best tackle in the draft. Wow. We can, you know, we can load up and we don't have to force uh, Sam Howell out after what one year of him playing basically. Yeah. So I think, I personally think shove it. There is a more realistic scenario where the commanders keep Sam Howell and don't draft quarterback. than the bears keep Justin Fields and don't draft quarterback. I think Man. there's a world where the commanders do not draft quarterback and they trade down or they say, you know what? Marvin Harrison jr. Can you imagine just anybody throwing the football to that man? Yeah, if the Steelers can hop on that, and if that's true, then I would love the second pick. Go get Jaden Daniels or Drake May, and and uh, let's let's do this. Let's make it happen. Do you, do you really? I know. I think we're gonna touch on this later. So yeah. I, whatever, I'm gonna table it. I'm gonna table the Steelers talk because I'm like, yeah, whatever. We'll talk about it in a little yeah. bit. M moving right along, the Carolina Panthers show it. They said see ya to Frank Reich. Wasn't a great season. I personally didn't think he was the worst head coach, but situation kind of was shitty. Uh, Bryce Young. You know, not ideal, but his help isn't great. I mean, he's a five foot ten quarterback in the NFL. Going to be tough to succeed. So out is Frank Reich. In comes Dave Canales, and I need to do a little bit more homework on Dave Canales's background. Do you have that up in yeah. front of you? He is. He was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator. We saw what he did with Baker Mayfield. So there's hope that he can kind of bring that, uh, bring that out in, in Carolina. Uh, but with uh, Bryce Young, because Bryce Young, man, last year just wasn't when it was the battle of Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud. You know, CJ Stroud was so far uh, greater than Bryce Young in terms of talent uh, and and just uh, wins for the for Carolina Panthers. So I think this is a a good move of, and they really need to. Uh, bring up Bryce Young, make him a, a better quarterback. And I think that what he did with Baker, what uh, Canales did with Baker Mayfield, hopefully that can resonate here in Carolina. Yeah. And the year before that, I guess he was with the Seattle Seahawks. And so that was Geno Smith's resurgence here as well. Yeah. Uh, and even three years prior, he was with the Seahawks. And obviously that's when Russell Wilson was playing some of his best football. So you like to think there is some sort of a, uh, a connection there. So yes, I, I think, you know, you may, you may feel like Frank Reich got dealt a shitty hand, but I think when you take the number one overall pick and he's a quarterback and he has the type of subpar year that he did, you have to show and you have to not just show, you have to act on building as much support around that guy as possible. Because man, uh, can you imagine being the number one draft pick, right? For all, all off season, you're like, you're, you're touted as the best player. You're going to go one you're in college. You're like the dude at Bama, like the biggest school ever. And all of a sudden you come to the NFL and you're like a little fish in a big pond. And mm -hmm. then you have the rookie season that he had. How can, how can you not sit there and say his confidence has to absolutely be broken after one season and confidence reigns so supreme in the NFL. I truly feel like, you know, like we talk about, oh man, Tom Brady just getting drafted by the Patriots got dealt a perfect hand, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, dude, that stuff matters. Like if maybe if Zach Wilson didn't get drafted by the Jets and get thrown into the fire the first game because he wasn't ready, maybe he would have sat a year and had more confidence, right? And there are players, Patrick Mahomes, all the confidence in the world. The dude sat a year. So who knows if he would have had that confidence his rookie year. So uh, I think it's, it shows that they're invested in Bryce Young still, despite all of the chatter that he's already a bust, which I don't think he is yet. So I like that they brought Dave Canales in. Uh, I am hopeful that they can work with Bryce Young and make him into a better quarterback. But that also starts with all of 
everything that they invest at least this year, dude, I don't care if it's free agency and the draft, everything in my opinion needs to lean offensive side because you drafted a guy that you think is the future of your franchise. I can't have you taking a, a, a edge rusher with your first pick. I can't have any, honestly, like your defense can be bad. Your defense can be sat on the sideline till next year, address everything to help Bryce young that you can, and then see where you go from there. If your best receiver is Adam Thielen and Miles Sanders is your RB1 and the depth chart doesn't even get as many carries like a running back one should get, you have a lot of work that you need to do on that offense. So Bryce Young, uh, you know, good good job getting uh, Canales as the coach, but they, he, they need to surround him with more options and more weapons and to, to be to be anything in this league. Yeah, and and what's I, I'm pretty sure the Carolina Panthers don't pick in the first round, right? So their first pick is the 33rd overall pick because the Bears have their pick. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the window and, and and the the amount of I guess the window of opportunity in terms of how they can't mess up is very slim. The margin of error is what I was trying to say. The margin of error is very slim for them. So, um, I think with the 33rd pick again, you attack the offense. If I'm them, I'm going wide receiver. It's a wide receiver heavy class. You can probably get a stud at the end of the back, you know, back end of the first round, top end of the second round. But like you said, you just can't go into Bryce Bryce Young year two with Adam Thielen as wide receiver one. That's just not realistic. <laughs> Moving right along, the Los Angeles Chargers did the entire NFL world a favor, and they said goodbye to Brandon Staley. It was all cool and dandy when he was, you know, coming in and going for it a bunch and all that. But when that equated to absolutely nothing, and now there's talks about what true progress has Justin Herbert, the quarterback, made, uh, that's going to leave you questioning things. So they said, you know what, enough is enough. They went out and they made probably the splashiest hire in all of the NFL. They go and get. Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, who's coming off of winning a national championship, who's what five years removed from losing a Super Bowl. So he still got that bitter taste in his mouth. Uh, and now he comes and he takes over an offense that Justin Herbert's running. Uh, he's still got to go out and find an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. So he's, he's basically going to get to, you know, he's basically running the Chargers organization, if you will. Right. So he's from the top down, he's getting to make all the decisions in terms of who's going to bring in. Uh, he's probably got a final say in all that. And what's even crazier show of it. I think this is just pure speculation. I think this is him just uh, tooting the horn of his uh, quarterback. Did you see his recent interview where he said he would not be surprised if JJ McCarthy would go yeah. the number one pick in the NFL draft. And I'm like, bro, speculation season is just in full swing because He's sitting here at number five. Shove it. Tell me there isn't a crazy ass scenario where this man says, you know what? I want my guy. And he trades Justin Herbert. He trades Justin Herbert to whoever, whatever team wants him. That one of the top five teams that needs a quarterback, God, they'd be salivating to get that man. And all of a sudden he's sitting up there and he says, you know what? I'm going to go get JJ McCarthy. I mean, I think that would turn the entire NFL world upside down. I also wouldn't put it past Jim Harbaugh to do something crazy like that, to be honest with you. But, but I do think he is just kind of the guy that loves to, you know, feed into all this gossip and narrative and he kind of eats it up. So I I think that's him just kind of tooting the horn of his former quarterback, but there's really no world where he's going one, right? That would be crazy. I mean, JJ McCarthy, like I, he hasn't even had as many, I feel like passing attempts as all the other quarterbacks. Like he hasn't uh, proved that he's that quarterback just quite yet. He might be great. And uh, they just never asked him to do anything to show that he was, you have to lead this offense, right? I mean, you're playing in an offense where they run the football predominantly. They have insane defense. So Uh you're basically managing the game and he did that perfectly. Um, But the, the thing about JJ McCarthy is, I think there is a world where he actually does 
evolve into yeah. a great quarterback. I just don't think he's there yet. So I don't think he's a first round quarterback. I think if he gets drafted, he has to sit for a year or two. Um, but I do think he could evolve into that because he does have the arm talent, et cetera, but it's tough, man. You're projecting all these guys based on what they did in college and what the 1% of 1% college players even make it to the NFL. So that skill gap and that, you know, that jump, it can be massive to some who, you know, you wouldn't think like Caleb Williams, it could be so massive that he just turns into a bust. He can't do it. And then you have like Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, where he's like, I just slowed the game down and now I'm in the fucking Super Bowl. So, right. um, you just never know is, is obviously the answer with this. But, uh, I think when you have an opportunity like this with Jim Harbaugh, he's basically getting to build the groundwork up for the chargers who have been nothing but a disappointing franchise for years and years and years and years. I think if Harbaugh can do anything, it's at least infuse some electricity into this organization. And one thing that Harbaugh always does show it is he's got, he's got kind of a, a, a window of opportunity, right? He flickers and flames out everywhere he goes eventually, just because I think he serves his purpose. And then he's done like with the 49ers. He made the super bowl. He obviously would have wanted to win. He lost. And he's like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go back to college. Now he won a national championship with Michigan. And he's like, deuces, I'm out. I think he's got unfinished business in the NFL. Yeah. So I do really think the chargers are going to turn things around. I will be very interested to see now that he's their head coach, the way they go with this number five pick, because it's like, Hey, I have Justin Herbert. Do I want to get a offensive player to, you know, solidify? Like they don't have a receiver. Keenan Allen's getting old. Quentin Johnson's clearly a bust. Mike Williams is also about to turn 30. So um, they could go out there and get a quarterback or a receiver. They could go out there and get Brock Bowers, the tight end. But I'll be interested to see if which way Harbaugh goes as the head coach. Is he going to lean offensive tackle, build in the trenches? If he's going to go defense or if he's like, I have a quarterback. And that's what this league is, is having a quarterback. Now let's surround him with talent and go get a receiver. Yeah. I mean, Marvin Harrison. Right, Dude. like the with the fifth pick, like the, uh, and there's that uh, LSU neighbors. Right, so that Malik neighbors, Marvin Harrison, co compliment him with Justin Herbert. Man, he's in a, such a great position, and and this guy's a winner. Like just looking yep. at his record, 144 and 42 in college, and it, as the 49ers head coach, 44, 19 and one record. So like he's in a perfect pos position right now with the Chargers to develop that team, uh, and to help him out and. Because we've seen, like, we know what the Chargers can be. We've seen, like, all, there's so many players on that offense. Uh, Eckler's probably not going to be there anymore. Uh, but it's just like, you're like, you expect the Chargers to take that next step, next step. And they haven't been able to do that, Brandon Staley. And I think Harbaugh is going to push him to that step, one step ahead, so that they can actually be dominant in, in this league. So it's a good hire for them, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think culture change. I think they just needed a complete change in an overall yeah. and just need an identity as an organization. And I think Harbaugh can at least bring that two more coaches. The Tennessee Titans also, in my opinion, was a surprise. And man, we could just talk on and on about all the quotes that came out about why Mike Vrabel was like, go, <laughs> because a lot of it just seems like it is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but they said goodbye to Mike Vrabel, uh, a guy who I thought was an incredible head coach, a guy that I thought would always maximize the most out of his players, never had the best roster, right? Working with Ryan Tannehill, but you know, you'd always be like, why are the Tennessee Titans always there at the end of the year? Because dude, they, they just play good football. They run the ball. Well, they play good defense. Um, and they said, no, we don't want much. We don't want any more of that. They don't know the future of Derrick Henry. They don't know the future of Ryan Tannehill. So maybe they felt like this was a pivot or a turning point to really just rebrand the organization. And, you know, in a, in a league where every offense is reigning supreme, the smash mouth running the football and playing good defense, like that's becoming few and far in between. And when you're an organization that's, you know, been 
all about that and it hasn't led to, you know, the ultimate promised land, you're going to want to change. And at some point, the organization, the franchise, the fans are going to want to see something that's different. So I think this just takes things in a different direction. They bring in Brian Callahan. Uh, enlighten me where Brian Callahan came from, Shove it. He was uh, the Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator for the past uh, five seasons. So uh, he's worked with some good guys, like guys that are pretty good quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, to name a few. So it's going to be a good, uh, you know, the Tennessee Titans are, they have Will Levis and he's going to be, he's he's in development mode. You know, we want to see him be better and better. He had a pretty decent, uh, you know, rookie year last, last year, I believe was his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I think he's going to help them, uh, you know, help him be a better, better quarterback as well. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's, this is a complete, like you mentioned, it's like a 180 switch, right? You're going from a defensive, uh, minded head coach in Rabel to now an offensive coordinator as your head coach. And so, uh, we'll see if he's got that leadership ability because Rabel is like a commanding dude, right? Like, can this guy do that? Can he lead a team? Um, so that's going to be interesting to see, but yeah, just a complete switch paradigm switch, focusing more on offense. Uh, and less on defense. It's funny that you mentioned he's, he commands his presence is so commanding. I, the, I don't know <laughs> if you read the quotes, but that was one of the reasons why it seemed like they fired him. They were like, the, dude, I, I cannot believe the quote. Let me see if I can, I, I got to try to pull this up on yeah, the spot saw, because it's, I saw that it, dude. It makes, it makes no sense. It was like, they were saying his, his physical Two, appearance. Yeah. Like he's six foot four, 240, 30 pounds or something like that. He's just, he, uh, he commands the organization. If he like two alpha, that's the thing, you know, you're just two alpha. He's got, to... he's got the biggest BDE of all time. It's so <laughs> big that they just couldn't even handle it. They're like, no, sorry, sorry. Didn't go need to shrink that a little bit. We can't handle it. They said Mike Rabel is simply too large and intimidating to be an NFL head coach. And I'm just like, bro, is that not the most backwards way to like one, either fat shame him or two, like yeah. get out of, get out of like, there was obviously more to this, right? I, he could have lost the locker room. That's a very easy cop-out answer that most organizations will give to fire a head coach and every fan and every person's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like if he lost yeah. his team, that makes it. So go with that. Why, why are you sitting here telling us that this man is too big to be a head coach? There are bigger head coaches in the NFL. Dan a Campbell. bigger motherfucker is in the fucking Super Bowl. His name is Andy Reid. So Andy, I don't oh, yeah. understand <laughs> what they are talking about. This is insanity. Man, I hope Vrabel gets another job, man. Uh, I can't believe it. I, I think he... he I can, I can believe it if he lost the locker room, right? That's always believable. And no matter how good a coach you are, sometimes things can happen, uh, whether, you know, like losing things like that, that can, that can just screw up a locker room, whether you want to admit it or not. So I can believe it if that's what happened, but I, I don't believe that this is the report. This is true. I don't believe that that's accurate one bit. And what I also will say is I don't think Mike Rabel will be out of coaching for very long. I think he's going to be a hot commodity. I would, I think teams would obviously want to bring this man in. Um, so I thought, I mean, that one was one of the craziest reportings I'd ever seen for a head coach. I mean, we go from a league where they're talking about like blackballing, you know, co- coaches of color not getting hired and stuff. And now there's a report out there that a coach is too big to be a yeah. head coach. You know, I, I, sometimes ownership and good teams are so weird. Like I remember when Doug Peterson got fired and I was like, this guy just won a Super Bowl for your team and you you fire him. And then he takes a break and comes back to Jacksonville and, and, and whatnot. But it's kind of crazy that we're in a year. We're going into a year where Pete Carroll is not going to be a head coach. Bill Bell, um, Mike Vrabel's not a head coach, and now Big, uh, Bill Belichick is not a head coach. They, those three guys, will not be coaching an NFL team next year. So it's just it's wild to see what the progression or or lack of progression that we're seeing. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's a perfect segue, right? Bill Belichick, the Patriots said, you know what? It's been fun, man. Thank you for all the Super Bowls. <laughs> Thank you for everything. But we want to change our direction. And I, I don't, you know, obviously he's the GOAT. I, I think every everything, everyone has a shelf life, right? Tom Brady had a shelf life. Like all the best will always have a shelf life. Phil Jackson eventually had to retire, right? I mean, he could maybe people were probably like, why is he not still coaching right now? But dude, you know, once you've done it all, once you've you're atop the mountain, you've eclipsed everything. Like at some point, the end is there, and and I think this could be that for Bill. I think it's I think it's a really shows you what the league perceives him as when he's let go and he's got. I think he interviewed for two jobs and both immediately, uh, uh, hired somebody else. So they, right. their vacancies immediately closed after that, uh, interview. So I don't know if this is just the end of bill. Uh, I don't want to say it is because, you know, coaches come and go, they take two, three year hiatuses and come back. Uh, but if it is the end for bill, he's obviously the goat. I mean, the Patriots dynasty, uh, for us, for many is going to go down as something that you can, you really never forget. And it's etched in history forever because it's probably the greatest dynasty in all of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that Bill Belichick really had going for him was his ability to draft, which like in the last couple of years, we didn't really see that. We were questioning some of the draft picks, uh, you know, Cole Strange and in, in the in that second round, uh, just a lot of picks where you're like, what, what, are, what are you doing? And so maybe he lost that competitive advantage of being able to figure out which players to draft because everyone's kind of it's a copycat leak. Everybody follows that. But but this guy, uh, Jared Mayo, I haven't read too much on him, but some te- he used to play as a Patriots He's a linebacker, linebacker for the line Patriots, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some people refer him to as Bill Jr. because of his intelligence uh, and just, you know, basically just hanging out with him. He's like a, a mini Belichick, apparently, or junior Belichick, right? So maybe they've got the next guy to kind of start this, uh, you know, uh, the, the life after Bill Belichick, if you will. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's shocking to see Belichick go, but the team wasn't doing anything after Tom Brady left. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, right? I mean, you can, we, we can go yeah. back and be like, man, this guy drafted. Well, it's probably pretty fucking easy to draft everybody else when you have the greatest quarterback of all time. So it's just like, Hey, we have the main <laughs> cog in every wheel. We just need to surround it, sprinkle it. And, you know, we, we've seen Tom Brady win with like Chris Hogan. We've seen him win. Julian Edelman was like the sixth receiver on the depth right. chart when Wes Welker, or Randy Moss and all those guys were there. And he was what Super Bowl MVP. Maybe uh, I could just be making that up, but I think he might've been, um, so like we've seen Tom Brady be able to do all of that with less. And, you know, now I think it's, it's, it's unfair, but it's not uncommon that everyone's going to be like, well, Brady left bill and won a super bowl immediately. Bill after Brady left was dog shit. Like he tried to draft Mac Jones, Mac Jones right. sucked, right? He got benched like that quarterback care. Like that relationship feels like it was completely, completely shitted on. And I don't think Mac Jones is ever going to be a quarterback for the Patriots again. And I mean, who else can you really look at and be like, Hey, you're it's, it's your responsibility to make sure that you mold that. Um, but when you have, obviously, again, you're coming from 20 plus years of Tom Brady where God, I got to imagine Bill barely had to do anything like mm-hmm. anything at all. Right. Hey, Tom, you good with this? Yeah, I'm good coach. You know, like whatever, like just let you handle him. So when he actually has to step up and pick a new guy and coach that new guy up, it didn't go so well. So um, it's unfair because you're comparing the goat to like immediately the next guy. So it's like the rebound after your longest relationship of your life, maybe your best relationship ever. And so it's an unfair comparison and maybe that leash was too short, but at the same time, 
I don't know from Bill's side if he's content with this. You know, like maybe he also wanted to move on. Maybe the time was right for him as well. How many more years did he want to be latched on to Mac Jones if another year, right? So, well, the, the crazy part about it is they have they have the third pick in the draft, right? So yeah. they can start over with the, this is, you know, I, I feel like um, I, maybe they jumped the gun on firing or uh, not extending his contract. I don't know if he was fired or just, uh, or I think just let ended. go or whatever. Yeah, he just let go. So, but yeah. I feel like this was, you know, get that quarterback, maybe Jaden Daniels third pick and then, or Drake may and see what Bilicic could have done. I feel like that would have been maybe the better approach, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, so a lot of people, a lot of people will credit everything that happened to the Patriots as far as Tom Brady, but that defense was also still elite, oh, elite. Know? and, and picking yeah. those draft picks and, and bill check and, and doing all those and, and the game plan and all that kind of stuff. That was also bill check too. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think he's just asking for more money than he, than he can in Atlanta Falcons, but I'm sure he'll be back. He should be. Back. Yeah, I think so. If anything, he's going to need to come back and prove that he really doesn't have it before he's done done right like you right. can't come off a dynasty where you won like seven super bowls and just because you have two bad seasons everyone's like all right dude you suck like get out of the league that's not how that works so um yeah i definitely think he'll be back as well uh, i think he should take a break though man like get away from football you've been here like you've been in football for as long as you know longer than we both of us have been alive so he's been yeah. in football for that long um the, i don't know if you saw the clip nick saban from college also leaving bama it's monumental because those both of those guys started coaching when they were on the coaching staff for the browns and they're arguably the greatest college coach and the greatest pro coach of all time and they're both no longer with the organization the storied organizations that they did all their winnings with so uh it is a monumental you know off season for coaches and the parallels there are uncanny, but yes, I agree with you. I think bill will be back. Uh, but I think bill should take a break because everybody yeah. needs to take a break at some point. I agree. Those are the eight head coaching changes in the NFL. Do we have any more vacancies for head coaches or have they all been filled? Because I'm under the impression that they're all filled now for head. They coaches. are all filled. Yep. Okay. So they've off there's offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator positions available, but the head coaches are, have all been filled. Okay. And shout out to Mike Clay, ESPN's Mike Clay on Twitter. He does a great job with tracking all of that. His chart is incredible. It's got all the coaches, all the offensive coordinators, all the defensive coordinators, the offensive play callers and the GMs and the year in which they were hired. So uh, shout out to you, Mike Clay. Uh, I was listening to ESPN's fantasy focus this morning and Stefania and Mike were bickering about how it was. The font was too small for Stefania. To read. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, she, Stefania was like, I wish somebody on like Twitter or something would just post all of this. So I have a I place to uh, uh, see it all. And Mike's like, well, this just proves you don't follow me on Twitter because that's literally what I do because <laughs> I'm updating it every day. And she's like, no, you're <laughs> Font's just way too small. Like I need a magnifying glass. So anyways, shout out to that. That's that's a really, really nice uh, way to at least uh, keep track and keep tabs of all of the movement with the vacancies in the NFL. That is it for another fantastic episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you're following us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. If you're watching, you're watching on YouTube, hit the like, hit the subscribe. It helps spread the word. You can listen to us on any podcast platform that you listen to your podcasts at. I am Sweetheart. That is Shovit. We are the only playbook. Have a fantastic week. See you.